true already, but I'm curious how many of you either have or are planning to set a New Year's resolution. And, and so the, last night I asked the question, and the Saturday night people were like, Yee. some of them raised their hand, and I was totally disappointed with them. And then the early service people came in, and they were like kind of awake, but they were just sleeping, and so I think some of them were just up all night. So this is your chance to really impress me. So I'm curious, how many of you set a New Year's resolution? Please raise your hand proud. You set a New Year's resolution. So, okay. So they say about 40% of us will do that. Whether we raise our hands in church or not, about 40% of us will actually set a New Year's resolution. Now, here's the good news. If you're one of the people that raised your hand, you're about 10 times more likely to accomplish your goals than anybody else who didn't raise their hand. So pat yourself on the back. Good job. If you set a New Year's resolution, you're 10 times more likely to accomplish your goals. But here's the bad part. And I know this was online, so I know it's true. 92% of you will fail to, to hold that resolution by this time next year. It won't actually be a permanent change. So only 8% of you who raise your hands, which probably comes down to, what, two of you? <laughs> um, so, so that's kind of the bad news. But th- just looking at New Year's resolutions, and, and we all want to have a happy New Year, the question is, well, why is this the time to make life changes? Like, why do we set resolutions at the New Year? And maybe the reason I came down to was this. We, we set resolutions at the new year because we want a happy new year because the old year wasn't as happy as it could have been. And maybe it was really unhappy or maybe it was just some minor little things, but there was always some things in the old year where we look back and we say, yep, could have done better. And so we look ahead and we say, I want to lose some weight. I want to save some more money. I want to pay off some debt. All these little resolutions come to mind because we want the next year to be even happier. All of us crave a happy, happy new year. We wish each other a happy new year, but it's an entirely different thing to actually find happy in a new year. The whole thing with happy is, is this. It's not just a once-a-year thing. You, you all know that. But I ran across this quote from a very wise person, and his quote goes something like this. Go ahead, Dean. He said, Life is a string of attempts, a string of attempts, to balance the unhappy with the happy. So you get this idea of this balance and all these unhappy things come into our life and and we make a series of attempts to try to even that out a little bit, to put more happy in our life than not. And a daily um, example of this is when you get really hungry, you get what they call hangry, right? You're just, you're you're not happy at all. You're angry at the world. And so you know, okay, I need to eat to balance things out a little bit. I need to get more happy. Um, It could be a daily thing like that. It could be simply, I need to get rid of my student debt. I need to get out of credit card debt. I need to make some better decisions for my health. You know, it could be different things, but you realize there's something that needs to change. You need more happy to balance it out. By the way, when I said this came from a really wise person, some of you probably thought like Martin Luther, right? No, this is from me. (laughs) Uh, I thought thought it up, and that's why most of you are confused right now. Life is a string of attempts. Every day we say, well, what makes us unhappy? What isn't right in the world? And we try to change that. We try to make it better. Now, here's the good news. The good news is that we can actually change what makes us happy so that it conforms more with what makes God happy. And I think we'll talk more about that next week. We've got a new series starting up next week all about that. 
But for now, I want to focus a little bit differently. You see, as you start a new year and you're really wishing for happy, maybe this is a time when you're going to change things. What I want to do today is just pause for a moment to just have us consider, well, what is happy? <laughs> we, don't, we don't just want to wish for it. We want to find it. We want to get it. And so we're going to look at some, some words from a man who was a lot smarter than this guy. <laughs> um, we're going to open up a book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes that was written 3, 000, about 3,000 years ago. And in these words, the author, who, the guy who wrote this, he's going to show you what it looks like to find happy in your life. And he, of all people, should know. And I'm going to tell you why. It's, com- it's coming from Ecclesiastes. This is the very first verse, first thing he wrote. He introduces himself with these words. This is the guy who wrote it. He said, these are the words of the teacher. Now, if you're a teacher, it means you know something and you can actually teach other people, right? So he's kind of smart. He's a son of David, which helps us because when we look at the Old Testament books of the Bible, we can see that there's a lot of history about who David's sons were. But then it gets even more specific. This author was a king in Jerusalem, which is the final piece of evidence we need to know that this was written by Solomon. Now, if you're looking at Solomon, you're like, well, why should he tell me about what's happy and how to find happy? Well, here's, here's why. You see, Solomon knew a thing or two. <laughs> he was a, a very smart guy. In fact, if you know your Old Testament Bible history, you know that God actually came to Solomon one day and he said, Solomon, I'm so pleased with you. What would you like? I'll give you anything. And Solomon paused and he said, God, I would like wisdom to govern your people well. And God said, that's a great thing to ask. So this is the way I picture it. So God took a giant uh, dumpster full of knowledge and just poured it into his ear. And so just Solomon was wise beyond wise. He was the walking Wikipedia of his day. Um, Whether it was things with geology or astronomy or or study of fish, it's called ichthyology, or or, um, salamanders, lizards, anything, any topic, and Solomon could explain it to you. So much so that people really started to come to him and ask him questions. In fact, one person, the Queen of Sheba, actually came to him, and she had her own empire, this great commerce set up, but she made this long trip to see Solomon to test his wisdom, to run a few searches into his Wikipedia engine. And what she saw, it's, it's described in the Bible like this, when she heard what Solomon had to say, and when she saw his kingdom, it's just one word, she was overwhelmed. The queen of this great country comes over and she's overwhelmed by what she sees. So so here's the point. If you're going to ask anyone in the world, hey, where can I find happiness? Solomon should be able to tell you. But it gets better. It gets better. See, not only did Solomon know so much, but he was also excessively, excessively, ridiculously wealthy. Uh, modern estimates in, in today's currency, they've, they've boiled it down. They said, basically, so Solomon was a king for 40 years, and every year of his reign, he brought in about $1.1 billion. That's his annual income. Imagine his taxes, right? $1.1 billion, which means he made more in two days than you will make, your, most of you will make your entire life. Two days. Stinker. So here's the thing. 
Solomon knew he had these ideas what would make him happy, but he also had the ability to get it. Whatever promised happiness, he could afford it. He could buy it. He could make it his. And it wasn't just money and wealth even. He even tried this with relationships. Don't ask me why, but he got 300 wives and 700 concubines. Okay, a thousand women. That was all his own. And so if you ask Solomon, this would be the guy to ask, what is it that can make us happy? Where do we go to find happiness? This guy should tell you the answer. So Solomon spent his entire life, it seems, he writes in this book. He says, I've done some thorough research. I've looked into the meaning of life. I've looked into things that make people happy, and I've thoroughly researched them all, and I've come to a conclusion. That's why he's writing Ecclesiastes. He says, I want to tell other people what I've found. If you're really looking for happy, this is what you should know. And he gets right to the point in verse 2. Meaningless, meaningless, says the guy who makes $1.1 billion a year. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Happy New Year. The word meaningless, the word he used, Solomon used, is a word that means, maybe you've heard this before, it means vapor, uh, something that's temporary. You walk out on a cold morning and you breathe. You see that vapor? It's around for like a second. Solomon's pointing to that, and he says, that's everything (laughs) in this world. Meaningless, meaningless. Says the guy who owns more land than anyone did, (laughs) guy with a thousand wives, everything is meaningless. So this is a guy that knows something. And you have to ask the question, well, why, Solomon? Why have you come to this conclusion? And thankfully for us, there's more than just two verses in this book. He goes on for 12 chapters to explain to everyone what he has learned throughout his experiences as a very wise and wealthy man. So he goes on in verse 3, and he starts to tell us and share with us some of the things that we believe make us happy but really don't. He asks the question, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Now, just think about this. Think about this. Let's say you work 40 hours a week. Let's say you're just one of those extreme people. You work 80 hours a week, and you work and you work, and you believe in your mind, I'm tearing it up in this world. I'm making a difference. I'm making money. Everything is great. And Solomon says, now, hold on. What do you gain from that? And he wants you to think about that. He, he talks and he says, well, hold on, generations. It's bigger than just you. It's bigger than just your job. Generations come and generations go. But the earth remains forever. The earth just keeps going on and on and on. No matter what you do, no matter how many hours you pour out, everything stays the same. We're just a, a brief vapor in this life. It gets better. By the way, I should have told you, this is not a happy message that we're going to hear today. So if you're looking for happy in the new year, we'll get that at the end, but not yet. So the sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. Now, this is just his extreme wisdom being poured out onto you right now, because I know you always wondered how the sun works. But he's making a point here. The sun rises and sets. It just goes back to where, you know, it goes around and around and around. We knew that. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north, and round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. What, what do we gain? Nothing changes. Everything just keeps going in this cycle, in this cycle, in this cycle. And we think, we humans think, we're, 
we're, you know, we're awesome, we're great, but Solomon says, no, generations come and go. This is just meaningless. Verse 7. I like this picture. He says, all streams flow into the sea. So he's just, he's full of wisdom, isn't he? <laughs> streams flow into the sea. It's like, anyway. Yet, the sea is never full. So picture this stream. It's working along. It's saying, yeah, I'm working 24 hours a day. Look at all this water. You know how many gallons of water pump through this stream every day? Yeah, I'm a great stream. But Solomon's like, it's not so fast, little stream. You're never done. It's not like you fill up the sea that you're pouring into. It's not like you can ever pause and take a break. So the place the streams come from, there they return again. Now, there's some good science, right? Like, he's got the whole precipitation thing. We saw this in science classes, right? He knows how precipitation and evaporation and rainfall, all that work. He says, it's just a cycle, guys. That's what this life is all about. The cycle that goes around and around and around. And so, both in our own lives and just looking at this world under the sun, he comes to a conclusion. Everything is meaningless. Now, here's an important distinction. This is what I love about Solomon, okay? So as you open up Ecclesiastes, he is writing this book from the viewpoint of a secular atheist. That's why he uses phrases like under the sun. He's like, I'm just looking under the sun. I'm looking at things from the viewpoint of completely secular. There is no God. I don't see any God. I'm just using my wisdom and my experiences to come to some conclusions. And he's saying, this is what I've arrived at. Everything just goes in circles, One generation comes, and then the other one fills its spot. It's just this endless cycle. Everything is meaningless. And so, to give you happiness and joy in this new year, here's fill-in number one. Everything under the sun is meaningless. So if you're looking for joy in your new year, there it is. Everything is meaningless. Everything is a vapor. Now, here's the point. So, we know Solomon is really digging into this point, that this is a temporary life, all these things. And so, here's the question we need to ask at this point. What does this tell us about our lives today? How does this help us prepare for a new year? If everything really is meaningless, then then what practical application does that have for us today? Well, here's, here's the thing. This helps us to take a step out of 2017, take a step out of our generation, and just look at things from a perspective. And this really reminds you that life is short. The things we have will someday be someone else's. Where we live will someday belong to someone else under a different deed. Everything will change. Everything is meaningless. And so it makes you pause and just really consider, well, what do I want out of my life? Or at least for my new year. And now that Solomon has you pondering that and asking that question, he's going to lead us down a very specific path where he takes away some more things that we thought were happy. And maybe here's one last thing before we move on. So you got this balance of, okay, we got unhappy. I need to put happy in there. Solomon is saying you need to understand that this is a lot harder to balance than you may think. And he's about to show us how it gets worse. All right, so next, next verse here, 8 and 9. It gets worse. It's going to get worse. I'm sorry. This message just gets worse and worse until the very end. All things are wearisome, including this message. It's it's getting worse. All things are wearisome. So you picture this stream. It's just chugging this water along. You picture everything. It's just a cycle. It's wearisome because there's no rest. There's no break. More than one can say, 
and now he, apparently he's an ophthalmologist as well. He says, the eye never has enough of seeing. And he's an ENT doctor too. He says, nor the ear of its fill of hearing. He's saying, it's not like your eyes or ears ever get to a point and they say, all right, seen it all, I've heard it all, I'm happy. You say, no, they never have their fill. There's always more, always more. I love this next part. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. And, and that is the great paradox that we live in. Our eyes and ears never have a fill, but the truth is it's just going to be the same thing over and over and over again. Nothing is new under the sun. So if you think, well, maybe nothing is, everything is meaningless under the sun, well, maybe at least I can find something new to keep things exciting. Solomon says, nope, nothing's new. What has been will be done again. It's all just a repeat. So there's your second happy feeling for 2017. Nothing under the sun is new. And I think the application for us in that is this, that as we enter a new year, the reason why a lot of us either are or used to make resolutions, was that we said, all right, it's a new year, it's a new you. And we, we had this idea that we could do anything in the new year, and this is where the old people start to chuckle a little bit. You see, it's not a new you just because it's a new year. It's great you bring that passion and enthusiasm, keep that going, but just understand, it's not a new you, it's the same you with the same issues going into a different calendar year. That's, that's all it is. And, and it's good for us to pause and remember, it's not like things are going to be magically different in a new year. In this moment, we're going to find some comfort in the fact that there is nothing new, but there's something that we can absolutely depend on no matter what. Before we get there, we have to <laughs> get more unhappy. Solomon goes on, he says, actually, we're, see, we're skipping ahead to, to chapter 9 here. So this entire book, he's just stating this case for why life is this meaningless, temporary thing. He's trying to, to tell people, you need to understand this. And so we, we get into chapter 9, and this isn't in your bulletin or anything. This is bonus content, bonus content. Solomon says, I have seen something else under the sun. Oh, yeah, there's one other thing I need to share with you. He said, the race is not to the swift. Just because you're fast doesn't mean you'll win the race. Or the battle to the strong. Just because you're strong doesn't mean you'll win. We know this from the NFL, right? Any team on any given weekend can win a game. Just, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Nor does food come to the wise. Just because you're wise doesn't mean you'll get more food. Nor does wealth come to the brilliant or favor to the learned. So you'd think, okay, if nothing is new, at least we have these patterns. Maybe we can manipulate what's going on and say, okay, it's going to happen again. It's, it's predictable. Solomon says, no, 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 no. Just because you're strong or fast or, or, or learned or favored doesn't mean a thing because time and chance happen. Even as you look at the world, you see, oh, these godly people over here who devote their lives to God and these ungodly people over here who deny God. Same things happen to both of them. Time and chance happen to all. So if you're looking for something stable, something predictable, Solomon says that's not where your happy is going to be. Fourth, third, or third, third villain. Life under the sun is completely unpredictable. Now, here's the takeaway from that. You see, in the new year, we're going to find unhappy things. We're going to try to balance them with happy things. 
But what Solomon is saying is if you're going to put all your hope in, in one of these things to make your life happy, he says life is so unpredictable, things can change and chance happens. What you thought would make you happy is going to go over here and make things worse. And all of us can think to a time in life when we're like, yep, that happened. I thought this was going to be different. I thought it was going to make things new and fresh and happy, and it ended up being the unhappy. So, where do we find happy? Well, let's see uh, some of Solomon's happy conclusions here. So we're going to look at verse uh, chapter 11, then follow, followed up. We'll get things uh, wrapped up here. This is a lot of wisdom from, from Solomon for one day. So if you need to watch this message again sometime, go for it. He says, you who are young, okay, so I'm going to pause there. Young people, pay attention. Wake up. You were up late last night, but you need to pay attention because Solomon is talking to you right now. He says, you who are young, be happy. It gets better. You're going to want to take a picture of this screen. Be happy while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. And you're thinking, this is golden. Where was this when I was in fifth grade, eighth grade, high school, whatever? I can do whatever I want and it's like the Bible's giving me permission. Whatever my heart wants, whatever my eyes see, I can take it, I can have it. Solomon says, if you're looking for something under the sun, go ahead. If you think you find happy, go ahead. Here's the but. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Boom, right? And so he's like, oh, you want to go there. You think you don't need to listen to old Solomon and all he's learned. Fine, go ahead and follow your heart, but God will bring judgment on you for it. So it's like he's leading us down this trail to, to finally realize under the sun is not a whole lot of promising things. Just in this world, we don't see a whole lot. And this gets, gets him on to his final point that he makes in his book. He says, speaking of judgment, speaking of things you do, what you choose to do, he's going to wrap up his, his uh, book with a few verses. So chapter 12, he says, remember, hey, young people, remember your creator in your youth, in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in those things I thought would make me happy. Remember your creator. He's getting onto something here. So in your life under the sun, remember him who's beyond the sun. He's getting on to something, getting on to something. If you're looking for happy, don't just look for things under the sun to fill your happy. Remember something beyond the sun. Remember your creator. Now, I wish I could tell you this had a good, happy ending. Here's how he finishes up his book. He says, now that all has been heard, now that this old guy has summarized all of his wisdom for, for all you people, he said everything he wants to say. Here's the conclusion of the matter, if you're finding happy in a new season of life, here's what you need to do. Fear God and keep his commands. Happy New Year. Solomon knew something. He said, if your life is all about toil and building wealth and even building relationships, it's all vapor, it's all meaningless. But if with your life you serve one who is beyond the sun, you will be remembered forever. What you do will make a difference forever because who you are and what you do is connected to him who is beyond the sun. So he's on to something very important, but it doesn't have a happy ending. 
Keep his commandments. For This isn't your happiness. This isn't a way to be happy in your life. This is just our duty. This is the duty of mankind. God expects everyone to obey him, to fear him. And this isn't about your happiness. This isn't about you at all. This is about you being who God made you to be. Fear him and obey him. Now, here's the really bad part. Last verse of his book. He says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Period. He's done. That's the end of the book. Happy New Year, right? And so we're looking for happy in life. We're looking for meaning and purpose. And Solomon says, look, everything boils down to what you do with regard to your relationship with God. And God will bring everything you do into his judgment. And that's as far as he could go. But Solomon, with that period, at the end of this sentence, he made a very important point. He said, if you're just looking for things under this sun to fill your happy, it's not going to work. Solomon says, I've tried that. I've tried that with my wealth, with my wisdom, with my women. I've tried that, and it didn't work. Everything under the sun is meaningless. And so here's his final point to us. He says, look, there's more to life than what's under the sun. If you're looking to find happy, you have to look beyond the sun. So what does that mean? It means that before you were ever born, God could see that we had a happiness issue. Before any of us existed, God looked into our lives, he looked into our futures, and he said, these people will be continually striving for something they cannot have. They're going to be met with meaninglessness. There's going to be vapor, and it's going to be nothing. And it's not just a this life kind of thing, but God said, this is going to endure forever for them. And so God said, you know what? You, who are in a meaningless kind of world, I'm going to come down to you. The whole message of Christmas, the whole bedrock of who we are, is that he who was beyond the sun came to live beneath it. That Jesus entered a world that was full of meaninglessness, full of people who were, who were hungry and tired and sick, and just all these cycles that go on. And, and he looked at it all, and he simply had compassion. And when the Son of God entered the meaninglessness, guess what? He injected meaning. He brought hope and peace to people. When he entered the void, when he entered the mist, he added something that would last forever, something that would never be taken away. And guess what? When when he entered this meaningless world where nothing is ever new, he made something new. He established a new agreement, a new covenant between God and men where by his blood we would be forgiven. That was something new that will never be taken away. And as you look at this world, all of its uncertainties, all of its unpredictabilities, and never knowing what tomorrow will bring, Jesus said, I've brought you some certainty. You know what will happen. You know that, yeah, like every other generation, you'll come and go and come and go, but you know where you're going to go to. It's in this meaningless world that God said, I'm not going to leave it that way. I'm going to enter the void and I will provide people with something that they can believe in, something that they can hold on to, and something that will change them for real, forever. And so there's two things I want to send you home with today. I don't want you to tear up your resolutions. Keep them. They're good. Keep them. 
I don't want you to lose all hope for this year, like, oh, I guess nothing matters. And I don't want that to be your attitude as you leave today. But here's what I want you to take with you, okay? So two things, two things. Number one, as meaningless as this life can be, you know that you have another one waiting for you. As bad, as predictable, as whatever this life may be, you know that Jesus won for you a new one in heaven. And someday you will enjoy a life that's full of meaning and lasts forever. That's his gift to you. I want you to take that into the new year because that's the bedrock of your hope and your peace. But in the meantime, when it comes to your resolutions, when it comes to your hopes and dreams, when you're trying to find happy in a new year, I want you to know that he who lived beyond the sun lived beneath it to give your life, even right now, purpose. You see, everything we do, we talk about fearing God or keeping his commandments. It's, it's not so that when we come under his judgment, we'll be okay. No, we fear him, we love him, we honor him. The, the purpose of obeying commandments isn't to win his favor, it's to reflect his favor. And when we do that, when our lives reflect his love, that's not vapor. That's not meaningless. That is the kingdom of God standing up against the gates of hell and winning. So you're looking for happy in a new year. Don't just look under the sun. Look at what's beyond it and look how God has redeemed your time right now. Now I hope this message got you a little excited got you thinking a little bit differently about this new year and and what comes ahead. Because next week, what we're going to do, we're going to launch a new series that's all about that. We're going to take this uh, some uh, further steps as far as what do we want to do with our lives and how does God arrange those things to work for his good and not just for ours. And by the end of it, what I know is in this new year, we'll find a lot of happy. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Uh, When you created this world, everything was good, everything was perfect, everything full of of life, full of purpose, no uncertainty, but it was our sinfulness that changed things. Uh, My prayer is that as we enter this new year, I know there's going to be uncertainties for all of us. Uh, We don't even know what tomorrow brings, much less what will happen uh, 12 months from now. Uh, But my prayer is that you give us peace and comfort, knowing that we have a home ready for us in heaven. But even more than that, as we take steps in faith each day to see that each day and each moment of our lives is one where we can reflect your love for us. And that will never be taken away. So give us resiliency, give us peace and strength, knowing that our hope lies in you. I ask those things in Jesus' name as we also join in the prayer he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.